Welcome back to There's Always Another Podcast, a Brandon Sanderson reading and rereading podcast. I'm Justin, and as always, I am joined by... Cicada Beth. Butterscotch Sam. And I'm Caleb. (laughs) The horde grows. (laughs) You know, I like this bit because it's relatively predictable, I hope. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so each time I get a little excited about the the growing Caleb horde instead of wondering what strange twist we're off to next. Exciting <laughs> instead of anxiety inducing. Correct. <laughs> Just one of these times, uh, one of the voices is going to be in reverse. So it'll be like, and I'm <laughs> Caleb. And then one will be like, <laughs> I've already done, <clears throat> excuse me, I've already done a backwards and I'm Caleb for, I think, the first Mistborn book. I did that at one point. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. By this so point, I think it'd be, it'd be a throwback. That's one, true. One for the true fans out there. There you go. Yeah, there that's you go. right. Yeah, we are uh, recording today uh, chapters 23 through 27 of Elantris, which finishes off part one in this weirdly lopsided uh, part division of a book. <laughs> it's a big old part. She's a chonker. We also have like a mega chapter right in the middle of this one. We sure do. <laughs> yeah, it's big. Quick skim proves, uh, yes, longest chapter in the book, though just barely. Chapter uh, 11 was also a uh, significant one. <laughs> a chapter we all remember well. Yeah, I'm legitimately curious. I guess it was... That would have to be a Serene chapter, right? Because it was... It was, yes. Yeah. Chapter 11 was Serene's meeting with Keen and everybody. Ah, that makes sense. Ah. That was her edition of let's form an entire team. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And Ahan, who was introduced as Fat before he was introduced as Ahan. Classic. Classic. Yeah. At this point, we've uh, we've left behind the, the times of let's introduce 12 new characters in a part. Uh, and we have uh, some some plot development payoffs for sure at the end of part one here. Yeah, we will get to those. We also have uh, real actual interaction between two of our three viewpoint characters. So that's exciting and, and new. <laughs> Not just extreme long shots of them standing vaguely in the same vicinity. Correct. Uh, there's also, I believe, pretty much for the first time this book, uh, we we do have multiple POVs in the same chapter. Because chapter 23, we get a little bit of uh, both Serene and uh, Rayodin. Yes, it is very brief, but we, we finally get some overlap within a chapter. I, I picked mm-hmm. up on that as well. Fancy. Yeah, that was exciting. <laughs> Pulling out all the stops to end the part. Yeah, we can... Uh... Get started here. See what we have. See what uh, what payoffs we find. We are we're starting. Uh, I believe this is actually. Uh, yeah, we're, we're starting uh, again, basically right where we left off in the previous chapter. Uh, Serene had entered the city of Elantris and had demanded a meeting with the, as she knew it, the three gang leaders, uh, Sheor, Andin, and Karata. And here we have uh, Karata. We have supposedly Andon, though this is uh, this is Maresh playing a role, and uh, Spirit still not uh, providing any actual information there. 
as a uh, advisor of sorts uh, attending along because Serene is not going to get all the details on this first meeting. This whole concept by Serene. It, I was struggling to realize or to come up with what I, it reminded me of. Uh, it reminded me of Jane Byrne and Cabrini Green. Uh, the mayor of Chicago back in the early 1980s went to the horrible, underfunded, poorly policed housing projects, Cabrini Green, and said she would live there until all the problems were fixed. And I think she lived there for like three days. <laughs> Oh, she fixed those problems real fast, I guess. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and uh, in the process, I th- I believe, I, I studied this a little bit. Um, I believe that she showed the gangs a method of securing your apartment that they had not found out before. So, helped them out a little bit more. Cool. Great job, Jane, Jane Byrne. Wonderful stuff. Yeah, I, I know the, the phrase Cabrini Green because that is also the setting of the horror film Candyman. Uh, the horror of the film is a metaphor for racism and redlining in Chicago uh, because that's such a horrific issue that a lot of people have to deal with. Um, so, good job, Jane Green! You mean it was a, a horrible issue before Jane Byrne fixed it in three days? <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> three days. That's that, that's definitely the reason they rebooted Candyman like a year ago <laughs> is because the problem is completely gone and they just they're completely out of ideas. <laughs> yeah, that must be it. So, yeah, I, I think this is uh, overall. Oh, <laughs> we weren't even that far afield by our standards. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I think um, I concur with Sam here in that Serene's plan is certainly somewhat. Uh, incomplete on in, in terms of actual knowledge of Elantris, which is something that that she she does acknowledge that her information is is incomplete but somewhat more in a political sense than in a like didn't understand what it was actually like sense that's still kind of kind of vague yeah it's a weird aspect of like she has claimed the city of Elantris is not dangerous and then she gets into Elantris and she goes man, these gang leaders are super dangerous. We can't trust them at all. <laughs> and it's like, well, but the, the gangs are a very major part of the city. So if you, right. don't, if you think the gangs are dangerous, then the city is dangerous. And we'll get into it in a couple of line breaks, but it feels like Ash broke a lot more info that he did not disclose before or actually <laughs> decided to, like, try. <laughs> but... This is weird that she like suddenly knows a lot more than she did and doesn't know any old or bad intel anymore. If she just knows what's going on. Ah. Anyway, Yandelin's shooting her with her and the rest <laughs> are just guards. Yeah, she she is taken aback by a, a spirit here who this entire book we've been hearing about how Serene is horrifically, freakishly tall. <laughs> and then Lucky we find stick. out that Rayodin was a taller man, about the same height as Serene in heels. Well, it's because she's so spindly, freakishly, haggishly tall for a woman. Of course. <laughs> yeah, is this the... Is, this is the first time that... Uh, well, I guess, like, right at the end of the previous chapter, uh, Rayodin saw Serene, but this is the first time that uh, she has seen him in person. I think technically, well, we tried to we tried to piece together the timeline. 
True. See, she saw some people on a rooftop. Yes. But yes, this is the first interaction with the two of them near mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. And we'll see throughout uh, these sections or throughout these chapters uh, and a little bit further as we keep going. I, I think this is it's kind of interesting in that we've we've talked a lot about how interesting the dynamic of this book is with one of our three viewpoint characters being Crathen positioned very much as uh, an antagonist of some sort. And then we have our two characters who we've been much more straightforwardly rooting for. And they, they actually start dealing with each other uh, and they end up pretty opposed to each other. Uh, yeah, they're actually more antagonistic, it feels like, than Serene and Hraithan are right. in a weird way. Right. It's a really weird dynamic, and I think it's cool. But yeah, we, we start here. Uh, there's a, a negotiation of sorts. Serene is, is fairly blunt in her negotiation uh, and says that she has uh, food to offer the people. She would like it to actually be distributed to the people of Elantris and not just uh, hoarded by the, the gang leaders. And so wants to set up some sort of deal. And there uh, they have that. that yeah, that's how it goes. Uh, they've got... Uh, Karada is the one who actually puts out their list of demands <laughs> that they've they've figured out. She says, get out of here, Poindexter. I'm in charge here. Cloth, grains, metal, wood, straw, oil. <laughs> We're playing Catan now. <laughs> I need sheep. Don't you mean wool? No, I call it sheep. Don't worry about sheep. it. It's, it should, should, should just be sheep because it looks like sheep. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Uh, the, the way that this exchange ends up, uh, and you know, we know that this is uh, spirit is there. Raoden is there as a, an actual person in charge and that uh, Andon isn't there at all. But from Serene's point of view, uh, this is uh, this is pretty straightforward. She says, Karada seems like a person who you don't really bargain with and the deal is at least reasonable. So great, it'll be done. The, the food will be delivered. It will be distributed fairly and the people of Elantris will get these kind of raw material supplies as well. I think my favorite part of this is Maresh is clearly having a blast doing this. <laughs> and this scene just made me appreciate Karada more because Serene takes one look at Maresh, who is having a blast, and is like, nah, no. <laughs> You're, you are obviously bad at this, but doesn't even try to mess with Karada. Mm -hmm. So that is... Uh... That's the end of our serene point of view for now. As we now go to see the the aftermath of this scene from Raiden's point of view, and even in this, uh, this is another thing that we have a, a kind of expansion on, as as these negotiations happen, is even in this situation where there are these the Elantrians and the condition that they're in, the the city, uh, and serene like bringing them charity this is a very political negotiation on, on all fronts you know most of these characters suspect that there is 
something to be won or lost and are trying to figure out what each other's angles are and all that. And it's one of those where they don't say any of that to each other, but basically every interaction is prefaced with, we are trying to win this exchange. Yeah, it's a nice little bit of politicking. I, I am, I'm still very happy that despite being in the middle of his zombie apocalypse storyline, I love how much Raiden gets to politic. It seems like mm-hmm. Brendan has done a very good job convincing me that this character, despite not being in a very political, political heavy environment, is very good at this. And I really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the uh, the little debrief with Raiden and Galadon, where Galadon says, well, she suspects something. Uh, and Raiden says, yes, that's kind of natural in these kind of situations, but she doesn't know what. And so we still have the advantage there. But then uh, then we're done with the, the very brief uh, Raiden section. And now we're back to Serene for the uh, the rest of what is uh, technically her chapter. Oh, Serene. You should hear some of the stories Ash told me shooting. I would sure like to. where the fuck were these stories yeah then she doesn't provide a story from ash she provides info from the guards like as far as we know all ash learned was that the guards like to drink and play cards (laughs) new lore it's not that ash is useless it's that he can only be useful when off screen (laughs) yes well, then we should be. DNA. Yeah, I was going to say we should be on the lookout for. We should be on the lookout for Ash to give a speech. <laughs> and again, on a similar note of Serene trying to convince everyone that Elantris is super safe, it's like you should hear the stories that he told me. The gangs descend on them like sharks. But I'm gonna walk in with all this food and show the everyone that city it's of fine. Elantris is not dangerous. <laughs> it's gonna go great. You know, come to think of it, I think there's it's kind of a uh, uh, a weird parallel or weird reflection of Hraithen's point of view on Elantris, which Ooh. is, you know, my own personal feelings on it aside, I need to show the people that it is evil and dangerous and bad. And then... I mean, that's kind of where this this started with uh, Serene choosing this as her trial was I need to oppose Raithen. And so regardless of my own views or the things that I learn, I need to show that Elantris is definitely not a problem. I'll move in for two days. (laughs) (laughs) I'll fix all of the problems. Uh, Although it does have the, or at least, you know, from the very outset appearance of, of the little bit that we've seen with all these hedge words, it sure does seem like it's having some kind of effect. It's at least worrying the shit out of Hraithen. Yeah, so, no, that's true. It is bothering Hraithen, therefore victory. <laughs> <laughs> we also, I mentioned before, um, uh, Royal and Ahan having a ham-breeze dynamic. We get more of Ahan is just literally Breeze as he complains that the the muck is ruining his cloak. And then Serene goes, well, you should have brought something inexpensive. And he says, I don't own anything inexpensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that definitely does have uh, shades of a familiar character. Oh, this is the second appearance of hatred of orange cloth in this small section. <laughs> it is. You're this, right. 
<laughs> orange cloth is the worst. Everyone hates it. We can all agree orange sucks. I like the bit of a... Uh, it's a, a bit of a joke, bit of a, a, a trick where everyone is, is walking back and forth to deliver... Uh, to deliver the 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 food to the Elantrians, uh, and at some point Raiden just joins in that process, uh, <laughs> and it it takes several trips before Serene goes, "Wait a minute," and and spots him there. <laughs> Why didn't anyone else say anything? <laughs> like, there's guards there. Eondel doesn't like any of this, and he's sort of also playing bodyguard. But they all looked at this and they're like, nah, this is a good prank. You're going to get her so good. <laughs> yeah, either, yeah, either that or they just didn't notice, which is like, he's an Elantrian. It's not subtle. <laughs> Maybe it's like that uh, that game in, what was it, like psychology class or whatever, where you'd watch the video of people passing around a basketball. Oh, yeah, go, yeah. Oh, but did you no, notice the gorilla? The gorilla. There's a gorilla yes. in the background. Mm. His name is Raiden. now look closely kids how many times does serene pass a box to someone else (laughs) but did you notice the elantrian in the background (laughs) this is why the cosmere is so hard to adapt it's because brandon insists on that little psa in the middle of it (laughs) so yeah he has uh, he has made an excuse about how uh andon has sent him to supervise uh, and that's the that's the reason that he's here, and so I guess he gets to stick around. Uh, and then we have a uh, we, we have a romantic moment where uh, Serene almost trips and falls, and Raiden is there to catch her. Wow! A- and then nothing happens from it because he's a weird undead magical being. <laughs> And they're engaged in this tense political negotiation, but it's like you know, there you you have your moment there. <laughs> His touch did seem tender, oddly tender, oddly tender. <laughs> but uh, the the food has been delivered and unloaded. There are a uh, a gathering number of Elantrians who are uh, suspicious of this being some sort of, of trick, which I think is somewhat reasonable given that they have been starving for weeks, months, years, and now someone is just coming and giving them food. But uh, Raiden is there to get things started because he takes some of the food, uh, just takes a bite of a turnip. Was there nothing else? (laughs) Was there not like an apple hanging around? (laughs) I mean, as Serene is realizing, he is starving, and any food is food. So he uh, he just chomps into this this turnip, and it's uh, yeah the the way that that he uh, responds to it, it, it's the best thing ever. And I also wonder if there's maybe kind of a Rayoden is still trying to be the leader of the people here, so he's he is kind of eating this food to be like convince everyone else like it's okay you can get some food and so he takes something that is not particularly appealing so that all the good stuff is still left Mm -hmm. over for the people ah but hey i'd eat a raw turnip if i had to i don't know if i said if i had (laughs) to i would probably just do that if i if they were 
at the grocery store for cheap. Uh, well, I mean, like, it, <laughs> I am, I, I'm not super sold on the whole what they're doing with the food thing here. Because it strikes me like this. It strikes me like if you were giving, like, a, a, a food drive for homeless people and you gave them, like, raw chicken breast and, and like, and, like, mashed potato, powdered mashed potato mix. And then they come up and they're like, I, I don't have an oven. <laughs> Why are you giving me the fixings for a meal? Give me a meal. Because that's all, like... They describe it a little bit more, and it's, like, just, like, corn and other various grains of sorts. And it's, like, this is... It's food. It's true. It's supposed to be three staple meals. I talk about that later on. But, uh... It's not a... You know what I think it... I I don't know if this is what Brandon was trying to do, or if this is just me reading into things that aren't there. But all of the people involved in, in this process... Uh, are some combination of nobility and or merchants. And so what they have delivered are like food as commodities and and not food as meals. Yeah, it's, it's a, it feels like a big old, a big shout out, big old Jane Byrne move to uh, <laughs> hand out some microwavable meals to people who don't have microwaves. But then like the thing is that Elantris is in such awful shape that even this is astronomically better than what they've had for a lot of them. So quite a, uh, quite a state. So in Serene's perspective, this, this first step of the process does seem to be uh, doing what it needs to do. The, the food distribution continues and even Ahan, even rich Ahan he of the the orange clothes seems to uh, have a, a little bit of of sympathy stirring for the the Elantrians here. So that part will continue, but Serene has a a new puzzle in that she now needs to figure out who this spirit is and what they are trying to do. To wrap up the chapter, uh, we have a kind of a debrief with Serene and Ash where, yeah, earlier we heard that Ash had learned almost nothing about Elantris. Uh, we hear this time that he did learn uh, Karata, Sheor, and uh, Andon, and was, was very sure of that fact, which seems like it might not be true at this point, but uh, that, was, that was the information that he had. Yeah, it's also, it's worth noting, because I feel like this could backfire very poorly, we find out later exactly why Sheor's people have not been attacking. But at any point, that might fail and Sheor's people might attack. So it felt really weird when she asked, hey, where's Sheor? And Karata and Maresh were like, we killed him. He's gone <laughs> because of our alliance. It worked out perfectly. And it's like, that's if if she finds out Sheor's still out there, that she's got to be really mad. <laughs> She, you'll you'll get the feeling that she doesn't like you very much, even more so than now. So strange. Even more so than when she bends an entire crate of nails one by one. <laughs> she personally. <laughs> Someone did. Strictly speaking, Karata and Maresh didn't actually say what happened to Sheor. They hinted that the alliance sure. 
got rid of Shaor. The alliance is why Shaor isn't here. Hmm. <laughs> oh, there, there's absolutely a uh, an implication there, but. Uh, any, any way you cut it, there's a lot of lies going on when they know she has some sort of source of information about the city. When she first shows up and she's like, I want to talk to Karata, to Andin, and Shayar. They're like, oh, remarkably well-informed, isn't she? <laughs> Let's lie to her blatantly. Mm-hmm. It, it's also funny to to be like, oh, they're not technically lying. And Maresh is there saying, I am Andin, it's me. <laughs> Hang on, I need to... No, Karata definitely identifies herself. You're trying to see if they legit don't lie at all, technically speaking. <laughs> uh, Serene asks if Maresh is Andon, who doesn't say anything. Karata shows up and says, and Karata, which I guess kind of... There's a lot. Is... It's lies by omission, Justin. It still counts. <laughs> oh, it's absolutely a lie by omission, but it is a lie by omission and not an on-page lie. I just think it's funny. It's hard for me to fault them, though. I- I've been in this position where, like, I've been in a land tree in a in a in a barred off city, and no, um, but I've been in a position where, like, somebody has old information, and for we have shit that needs to get done. And if I were to sit there for like an hour and explain to them everything that happened since they got their information it would be much longer than if I just made a white lie and had them do what they were coming to do anyway. <laughs> y- you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, oh uh, where's Shayor? Oh, Shayor's still around. We weren't able to get rid of him, but Rayodin organized us into a zombie union and we're uh, cleaning up Elantris. And first of all, it doesn't matter. Right. Second, <laughs> second of all, it's going to, like, just give us the food, lady. <laughs> I agree this does not really matter. However, um, just and I assume you're looking at bottom of 297 when they just say one of the aforementioned benefits. If you turn the page, Serene asks, dead? And Andon nods. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's fair. He's just nodding thoughtfully to himself about something unrelated. Not technically a lie. Yes, sculptures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, why would why would Maresh have to pretend to like sculptures? That's not necessary. Well, he's not a great actor. No. What's my motivation? Well, Tan really likes statues, so I guess I'll have to go all in on that. As the uh, chapter wraps up, uh, we get what I think is is a an amusing uh, kind of keystone to the way that this antagonistic relationship between Serene and Raoden is going to start developing, uh, which is that Serene in full politics mode basically explicitly goes, I kind of like him, therefore I should not like him. Because <laughs> she's, and, and there's some, like there's some justification there where she's saying like he's, he might be trying to to convince me of something. He's trying to portray a certain image and I need to be wary of that. But it also does have some flavor of her kind of automatic taking the other side of whatever is necessary right now. But with the, uh, with the five chapters that we have to get through, we will uh, get to return to Serene in a later chapter. 
Uh, but for now, we are going to go up to the wall where someone is dramatically looking at this whole whole operation. Yeah. In his blood red armor. In his blood, blood red, red armor. armor. Look, I know I cast Michael Fassbender, so I was already picturing this, but Brandon does give us very important information with the first three words of the chapter. Hraithan was hot. <laughs> I do appreciate, as always, Hraithan has an eye to the, uh, the I guess, theatrics of the situation uh, where... This is this is uncomfortable standing here in plate armor in the bright sunlight exposed to to the sky. Uh, but he thinks, yeah, but it looks really cool, I bet. I love that line. Quote, he was consoled by how imposing right. he must look. <laughs> yes, yes, you're very threatening, buddy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he is is watching this unfold uh, or rather not unfold as uh, as it says. He watched with resignation as Elantris's monsters came placidly, refusing to ingest even a single guard. <laughs> yeah, this is a uh, this is a big strike against the uh, Elantrians are some sort of demonic spawn uh, campaign that he has been he has been preaching. And a lot of people are here trying to see if it's going to be like a Swordish shark fight, which is just. A wacky piece of lore to drop in the middle of this. <laughs> Sounds awesome. I want to see a shark awesome. fight. I mean, as someone who doesn't like pitting animals against each other in real life, it makes me like a little uncomfy as someone who understands that this is a work of fiction. Hell yeah, I want to see a sported shark fight. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've, I participated in those Baron fights in Mass Effect. I'm, I, I put some money down on that. I mean... You probably couldn't see much of anything, if I'm going to be honest. <laughs> That's true. It's being underwater seems like right. an important if it's factor like an, in this equation. If it's like an aquarium tank, you could probably get a pretty good view. It's true. You it's probably true. want it to be small enough to make him fight anyway. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next step, we need to design how Sportish shark fights are going to go down. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's. Also, not what's happening here, because uh, Hraithan and a whole bunch of uh, of onlookers have come to see what's going to happen, uh, and the answer is a, a food handout occurs. <laughs> I, I was going to say it's kind of messed up how apparently a whole bunch of people have comped the walls to what they expect is watch some people get like brutally maimed, but that probably would happen. Yeah. yeah. Unanimous, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Society, am I right? <laughs> we do live in one. Big ups a lot to society. society. <laughs> Big ups? <laughs> uh, with this setback, Hraithan needs to look at the other elements of his plan, uh, and he is prompted to do so by the arrival of uh, Duke Telry, who is now for his own sake or for like it remains to be seen how much they actually are allied or how much it's just two people using each other out of convenience but Telri is also expressing some concern about the fact that Serene's plan seems to be going well and Hraithan is is trying to reassure him and says you know well she can't do this forever eventually she's going to run out of support run out of food all that 
and in any case, this part doesn't really matter because Idon is going to run out of money, and so we can we can take the throne that way. And and Telri says, well, Idon has some some new contracts, which apparently Hraithan doesn't have all the details about that because he says, well, no, those won't matter. They won't be enough. But uh, yeah, Hraithan's plans are at this point now under attack from from multiple angles. Yeah, and it's it is funny to me. I know he just found out about the contracts that tell because Telri is the one who tells him, but he has the inner thought of the princess had countered the wrong scheme. Do you not think the princess from Teod was involved in the new contracts that are countering your other scheme? <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's definitely. Uh, I I think this was not going or this was not going to go as smoothly as as Hraithan perhaps hoped, but he's uh, he's trying to to portray to to Telri that everything is is running along smoothly in no time at all. Uh, Tauri will be, will take the throne. Don't worry. It's all great. And he'll be rich. And he'll be rich. You'll be rich, Tauri. It's all worth it. And then at the end of that exchange, uh, Tauri has the very petty but very uh, power move of they've been uh, riding in the, the, the carriage together. Uh, and then he just says, well, I'm going that way. So you can walk from here. <laughs> a lot of pettiness in this there's a lot of pettiness (laughs) between this and all the bullshit serene does with the requests from rayodin there's a lot of people just being like "Eh, here's a little fuck you Mm -hmm. (laughs) so having returned from the uh from the walls after walking back to the 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 chapel frayton is is kind of taking stock of uh, what's going on here with uh the, the various priests are talking. Dilof is there. Uh, apparently, uh, at least the, uh, like the, I guess the large public part of their plans, the part of convincing people to convert to Shudareth, apparently that's going very well. There's a whole uh, wave of, of conversions have been happening. Dilof mentions that uh, it's not since... You know the the days when when Driot Crushthroat was attacking Tiad, and there was a bunch of conversions there, that, uh, that something like this has happened, uh, and uh, that sticks out to Hraithan because that was some fifteen years ago, and uh, his his mental model is just kind of a little bit off. Where he's like, wait, how how old is Dilof? How long has he been doing this? What what am I missing? He's older than he looks. Oh no, <laughs> Jacques Hughes! Ah oh, shit! I promoted the guy who's old, <laughs> and then he just spins off from there. He does kind oh, of God. just like go all over the place from there. Dilof's been here in his birthplace for years, worming his way into my carefully designed schemes that didn't exist three weeks ago. <laughs> You know, when you put it like that, it seems like Krathen may be overreacting a bit. <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> it, would, it would be wild if, like, there's one chapter from Diloph's perspective, and Diloph is completely, like... He's, he's, he's doing he his finds, own thing. He finds Krathen to be completely <laughs> chill, just like a kind of weird boss, and he's just, like, doing his own thing. He's not trying to actively work against him. He just happens to be very charismatic. And Hraithan is just having a complete meltdown in the background. You know, it's like, I, I hope he's doing okay. I hope he's all right. 
Then the chapter ends with, I'm 51. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, I mean, this does kind of, there's, there's not a lot of actual events that happen in the rest of this chapter. This is just kind of, and, and I think this is uh, probably, a, if we look back at it and not reading this one week at a time, uh, this is more a continuation of uh, Hraithen's confrontation with Father Omen and the uh, the kind of seeds of doubt of his own faith. Because that's where this ends up going, is it, it starts to kind of spin on uh, Hraithen's plan and how much influence Dilov has over it. Because he's thinking, well, Dilov has been here for a while and probably knows most of the people here uh, and so they they're all very devout but they're also are devoted to him and he's been getting this power by uh taking odives of his own there's all that and then that leads into Diloph is Hraithen has been talking before about how Diloph is a, a zealot and that has its its upsides and its downsides but now it's coming down to Diloph believes in this deeply and maybe I don't. And so that that is where that ends up taking him. Hraithen's a really cool character. He's <laughs> yeah. really, really good. It's, I love this, that last conclusion because he's having a crisis of faith, but he's also like so internalized in the faith that it's not really the question of, am I doing the right thing? It's more the question of, well, if I don't have enough faith to do this, maybe Dilov should be in charge because clearly the faith is correct. Right. Obviously, we do need to convert the country, but maybe I'm just not cut out for it because I'm starting to have doubts. And that's just, there's such a weird, strange, fascinating dynamic to that of losing your faith enough to not think you should be doing this anymore, but still having enough, like, lowercase faith in the cause that you still wanted to succeed you just realized maybe someone else should be doing it not me yeah i mean this chapter ends with nothing but a whole bunch of questions of uh Hraithen is uh is revisiting a uh i guess just his his personal journal uh, apparently this is a a common thing for um uh Durethi faithful uh, is to to have a record of their their spiritual experiences, as it says, uh, which he hasn't done all that much, which is another interesting note. But when he's looking back on it, uh, it it gets back to uh, some of the things that that Father Omen made him think about. Of is this a thing that you still personally, I guess, actually believe in, or is this a thing that you are good at? and have identified yourself as doing of, you know, I am a priest of Shudareth who is good at converting people from other countries. And, and is that just all it is at this point? So yeah, it is, uh, it is very good that we will get one more Hraithen chapter before the end of this segment. And it is a, uh, a short, but, uh, but crucial one short but crucial <laughs> nervous little punk boy <laughs> but before we get to a uh, short but crucial chapter 
uh, we first have the longest chapter in the book. So we'll <laughs> we'll work on that for a bit first. Chapter 25 uh, with, I, this is the next, yeah, this is the next rotation of uh, new Aeons. It will be the last one for this section with, uh, I feel like this is a pattern that I have like drawn before even reading this book. Like this is just a thing <laughs> that I would doodle. Ever since, I think it was Sam, you made the comparison to Spirographs. That's all I've been able to see with these things. Yep. Yeah. So going on to chapter 25, this is a Raiden point of view uh, in full this time. But this is, I guess, the next instance of, or I think this is a few instances in, of Serene delivering food uh, to, to Elantris. And we've had a, I guess, a rotating group of people uh, accompanying Serene here. Uh, today, in particular, uh, we have Terena, who is Ahan's daughter, and is apparently very slim. Which is so funny because Ahan is fat, which we learned before anything else. Oh, it's yeah, ironic and therefore daughter. good writing. <laughs> I think she could use these raw turnips even more than I could. <laughs> yeah, because that's definitely going to, uh, you know, pack on the pounds. <laughs> Just a, a raw vegetable. At least she'd be able to cook it. <laughs> she would, yeah. Because she's not living in a zombie hellscape. Yeah. <laughs> but aside from just Terena here, uh, we do get to see Raiden's point of view because... The, the group that Serene has become uh, become friends with and been working with are all Raiden's old friends. So here they are, and, and he gets to kind of see, like, what's going on here? These are all people I, I used to know. Still do know, I guess, just can't actually do anything about it. Not even Lukel recognizes him, but what about Lukel's wife? Nor does Lukel's wife. <laughs> Who hasn't? I don't think she's been here yet, has she? No. I don't yet. know if Raiden would know. Oh yeah, that's right. There was also a strange lady with them. Who could that be? Right next to Luke Hell. I don't know why. Hmm. What's what's going on there? This is a very sad situation for Raiden. I feel very bad for him here. It is, yeah. Yes, taking a step back from my jokes, it is a very sad situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just like he has to hide himself from his friends. He has to hide himself from the world, basically, because he points out people liked me more than my father and me surviving may just immediately trigger a civil war. So let's not reveal that. So the one person I feel like I can talk to, Serene, well, she hates me. She does right. not like me. Another reason this section is sad is because Raiden goes, she's not like the other girls. She's so yeah. different. <laughs> the other women, they do not stand up to her. It's not stand up to her because they're all terrible. This and is the so one skinny. way to be a woman. They're and so skinny. <laughs> so skinny and short. <laughs> well, to be fair, she is not like other girls because she doesn't, she wouldn't really be able to recognize him in the first place apart i guess from his face yeah no that's a good point and is is one of the things that he points out is i mean he did 
like her from before, but uh, also it's it's an opportunity to actually just kind of hang out with someone without any of the uh, the internal pressure from the the people he's come to know in Elantris of you know you're the one who is saving us all or the whole mess that would would get started if his his old friends knew that he was still alive yeah and then now if only he could convince her not to hate him <laughs> we see uh, duke telry is here though uh, he is not uh, able to be convinced to actually do the work himself he has brought a a servant to actually do the the handing out which does seem to defeat the entire purpose but we don't have a great impression of duke telry so that tracks I think it's still really interesting that he's here, given that this is kind of yeah, ruining true. his whole plan. True. I wonder how much of the the social obligation piled up where he, like, what was it that made him unable to actually straight up refuse? Yeah. For money. Tellery is exclusively motivated by greed. Ever. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be the impression we've got. Which is why he didn't join Rayodin's crew, because he was like, how much money will I make? That guy. That guy. <laughs> what a, what a fucker. What a fucker. <laughs> Duke Teller is the fucker of this book. He is. Yeah. Even Diloph isn't really like a... He's not a fucker because he's doing it out of, like, zeal. Whereas Teller is just like, I'm going to be rich and fuck you all. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a specific vibe to being... A fucker right. the way we've dubbed them in this podcast and Diloph's vibes are rancid but they don't quite fit yeah yeah I think to be a fucker you have to be evil and know it and Diloph does not know he's evil Diloph fully believes yes. he's doing the right thing and Teller is just like yeah you have to be evil <laughs> and know it and also be petty yes. yes yeah and kick people out of your carriage yeah we got some pettiness it's confirmed and turn to the protagonist and smile <laughs> fucking fire wait yeah <laughs> the og he was and then he disappeared yeah so one thing that we do uh, get to in this section is something that was very very briefly mentioned right when serene first uh entered the city and said what she was going to do uh but Rayodin has to take a moment to think about the fact that this is fundamentally undermining everything that he has accomplished so far in Elantris. He's been trying to 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 build this this group up and give them something meaningful to work for, something to to keep their minds from the hunger and the pain and not just wait for somebody new to come into the city and beat them up and take their food. And now here's all the free food you could ever want and what's the point of any of the rest of it anymore so it, uh need to see where that's actually going to go i i do understand the concern but it they they directly bring up the widow's trial is not going to last forever like eventually she's right. presumably going to stop bringing food at which point i feel like people are going to just come flocking back to Rayodin. i like there's a little bit of threat of can they hold out in the meantime cuz Cheor is still uh, uh, sending people after Rayodin's little crew, but I don't know. I feel like 
it's just it's it feels like a short-term problem rather than a this is tearing apart everything permanently because yeah once serene's food is gone rayodin will be back to being the only one with food and the only right. one with something to work towards so yeah we'll have to see what uh what kind of timer there is here is when serene does stop how much damage has been done how much can can rayodin kind of still maintain but it uh it definitely does change things in the meantime the other thing that is changing in the meantime and we don't really have uh time to focus on this is that uh rayodin's pain is getting worse and it is it in his mind he's he feels like it's even faster than it should be you know it's hard to kind of tell those things but it's it it's getting worse and it's getting worse faster which is not a good sign yeah i i like this little tidbit because it kind of comes and goes fairly quickly and i feel like we needed this description before we got the previous one where he's like fully losing it for like a full page because i my complaint last time was that seemed very sudden and this feels like it's slowly ramping up and then that scene before should be the next one after this one yeah plus we've this description is is feels more evocative and visceral because we talked before about how a stub toe that lasts forever is like the perfect way to go oh this is a bad this this city is bad this city is bad (laughs) that's just like such a particular pain that should just shouldn't be as bad as it is but it's like a stub toe forever we've talked about sucks and now describing it as a fire that runs all the way up to his knee it's just like oh boy you poor thing yeah not good he mentions how he wants to give full devotion to his jealous agony jealous agony by the way is my new album name yep good choice (laughs) for your like 2004 emo band is one of the songs full devotion yeah (laughs) uh remains to be seen but yeah uh at this point they they have figured out some of the actual food distribution logistics besides here eat a raw turnip Because they have these kind of prepared meals now. Uh, there's, I like that this note first shows up here because it does become a uh, a thing that uh, that we see more than once. Of uh, they have they have sour melons and they're not quite in season yet, and somehow they have some, and it's you know it's a nice little treat. You get a, a get a bit of fruit. <laughs> we also see that uh, Rayodin is also kind of running a a bit of a a scheme to to try to help his people and in particular uh the the ones in the uh the hall of the fallen uh, where galadon and a couple of others uh, in the know get uh, get secretly given a uh, a bag that has a whole bunch more food and they get to to take that away and we'll be able to to bring it to to feed the other people which is uh is quite a thing to do and so far not helped and so far, unfortunately, not helpful. Once the uh, the day's uh, food distribution has ended, uh, we get to uh, head back to, to New Elantris and, and kind of regroup. Uh, Maresh has built a sled. This is the, uh, the peak of Elantrian technology. <laughs> and I, uh, I always like... I, I like when, uh, when Galadon is 
sarcastic and uh or or when he's not and in this case as as sam puts it the sled worked what a pointless thing to even mention but okay (laughs) because they they do manage to move these these heavy boxes instead of just carrying them and uh in his own way you know the the closest we get is he finally did something useful but uh yeah galadon was going to be sarcastic about this but it's like yep it actually did work but also i i I agree with sam i don't know if this was necessary but okay (laughs) (laughs) they're trying (laughs) you know when i when i open my zany book about a zombie apocalypse what i'm looking for is logistics how do you move thing from point A to point B? That's what I'm here for. For some people, unironically, yes. Because yeah, <laughs> I don't know if this particular book about a fantasy zombie apocalypse is where I expect the logistics discussion. But I think if you built more of a focus around it, you absolutely could. But in this particular <laughs> book, it, it it's not quite what we were expecting. And I just love the running bit of. Caledon beefing with Maresh for no reason. For no reason at all. <laughs> the, the dude's a bit over the top, and Caledon is like, yo, fuck this guy. <laughs> God. <clears throat> yeah, it's the first thing he's ever done that's useful, you know, other than make shoes. What a bum. Hey, someone had to be Anton. <laughs> so now we get to see uh, the the other side of the the deal where Serene is supplying... Uh, raw materials in exchange for allowing the the food to be distributed fairly and yeah this is like unreasonably petty and (laughs) i think it's funny like without the context but it's just it's just weird where uh they've given serene this list of demands of you know we need cloth we need steel all of these things and serene has gone and found the least convenient way possible to fulfill each and every one of these. So the uh, the cloth is uh, here. We have it. This this terrible, awful, disgusting orange color. Disgusting. I also I know that th- this is not the first box they've opened up, and they know that Serene is being petty. But Galadon says, "Watch out for snakes," which feels <laughs> really random as a thing of like she might have just given us snakes, guys. Or just, like, a swarm of bees. Nothing a large <laughs> influx of bees couldn't help. Everyone go watch the video, Dr. Bees. Is he, like, an off-brand superhero that just summons bees? Off-brand yes. is a rude thing to say. <laughs> but yes. And then we get an example of Goodhart's Law, uh, with the fact that they asked for their steel by weight, and she gave them a bunch of bent nails by weight. And then Galadon reaches into the box and pulls out a whole handful. You don't need to do that in a city where you can feel pain eternally if you accidentally poke yourself with a nail, Galadon. <laughs> Goodhart's Law is the one about uh, having the thing that you measure become the thing that you are actually trying to fulfill and then it not working anymore. Uh, yes. Uh, so the the classic example is like if you measure based you know if you measure someone's success based on the number of nails that they produce then they'll produce a million microscopic nails uh or if you do it by the weight of nails made they'll do a bunch of giant heavy nails so yeah so yeah the the original specification was for uh 
a number of sheets of steel uh, and they were they were delivered as like foil and so now they specified by weight and they got yeah thousands of bent nails which going back to what i said like way earlier in the episode you'd have to do that manually (laughs) you would have to manually bend all these nails yeah you're not just gonna keep bent nails around even in a place that would be using lots of nails you'd presumably like gather them up and melt them down or something maybe i i see a world where there's a blacksmith who's like I'm going to do something with these bent nails. I promise. I'll get around to melting them down eventually. I definitely will. But I don't want to throw them out. That would be such a waste. So then I just have a shame box of bent nails forever. And then Serene showed up and he was like, oh, thank God, take them away. God, you are. I believe you are talking both from personal experience and to people with personal experience. Yeah. <laughs> the the carpenters I work with tend to be more liberal about throwing things away. <laughs> One of my coworkers told me they got a shipment of screws that they just hated for whatever reason. But the shop foreman was like, no, guys, we have to use all these screws before we get new ones. So whenever they were building the set and they would have to go get a handful of screws, they would just pick up one handful, throw it directly in the trash, and then pick up another handful to actually use <laughs> to burn through them twice as fast. <laughs> Uh, must be nice. Yeah, I know, right? Back from the days of, no, you cannot throw out even a single paint roller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, luckily, insert theater name here has a budget for infinite screws, apparently. But seriously, why is... What purpose does it serve for Serene to stick her thumb in the uh, the eye of these, like, dictators? I it's not like they're... You didn't win. <laughs> I would get it if if they were asking for like I want jail cells and I want <laughs> I want execution axes and grindstones for my guillotine. I want a blood fountain. <laughs> I would get it then, but they're asking for like Catan resources. <laughs> and she gives them stale food, stinky oil, and sharp knife blades with no handle. Great. At least she's having fun doing it, though. I guess. <laughs> The first rule to negotiating with zombie tyrants is have fun and be yourself. Have fun and be yourself. I do like uh, Galadon's point of view here, where he heard initially that uh, Serene was going to be uh, Raiden's wife. And now this is the only interaction he's had with her. And he's like, well, lucky you to be in here, right? <laughs> <laughs> The old ball and chain. But in, like, the weirdest possible way. (laughs) Next time they ask for steel, it will be in ball and chain form. (laughs) So the, uh, the next, uh, the next two scenes here definitely turn the, the mood down a notch from, oh, isn't it so funny, the supplies we get. Because first we have uh, a look at New Elantris. And even if it does return to its uh, its state later once uh, Serene's project ends, right now it's definitely a uh, a sad occurrence where there used to be this this kind of community that had sprung up, and now there's there's just a couple of people here and there. There's there's the new people who don't like know anything else, and then there's the 
the you know the few named characters that we be, that we have kind of the, the first people in Riordan's little group here that's all that's left I do I think I've said this before but I really appreciate Galadon recognizing when Riordan is feeling really sad and going I guess I have to be the optimistic one now because um, <laughs> Riordan has the, like the very pessimistic view of it had potential if only for a week and Galadon's like that it's don't don't call it off yet. We we might still be able to recover. <laughs> don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. It's just it's weird to me. It's like, what's the uh, what is drawing people away from it? Just food. Food. Those turnips, man. <laughs> you abandon society for a staple crops. Okay, abandoning society for sour melons. <laughs> There's some Maslow's hierarchy of needs shit there. You got to get food first. And then we go from there to uh, much cheerier matters, I guess, uh, because we once again are going to visit the Hall of the Fallen, which we've talked about before is definitely one of the worst places here. It, like this, this would just be awful to to see and to hear. And one of the first things that we that we find here uh, is. Salen, who has suffered a uh, a severe wound, and that is not a good uh, a good sign for this group here. It is bad. I have a question. <laughs> Go ahead. Karata is stitching Salen's wound. The stitching help in Elantrian. I feel like that's just five to six more piercings of the skin that you will now feel forever. I guess you have to balance that against how much is it going to hurt if, like, things get in contact with the open wound, which I've now said out loud and don't want to think about. Yeah, no, it's not a fun question. <laughs> but but yes, I agree that this is another kind of horror of Elantris, is you you try to do something like stitch a wound shut and it just makes the pain worse but Salen's pretty chill about it so <laughs> i think if there's one lesson we can take away from this is that well elantris is neither a fun nor a chill place <laughs> words of wisdom i can see it on like a banner elantris neither fun nor chill <laughs> flying proudly alongside skadriel's bad at democracy flag <laughs> But aside from the the personal uh, pain of of Salen here, we also have the uh, the impact of yeah we we've mentioned this a little bit, but this is the first time we hear more directly about it. Is that uh, Salen and his guards have been cut fighting back Shaor's men this whole time to to try to maintain the peaceful food distribution in the courtyard and. We have we have Salen taking a significant uh, wound here, and one of their other men they lost completely. So it's uh, it's just kind of slowly ticking down of, of how long they're going to be able to keep that up. There's the quick note of quote: "Sometimes howling could be heard in the distance." And Serene every time has been like, "That's fine." What was Elantris that? Don't, don't worry about totally that. Totally safe. It's not dangerous. <laughs> Uh, yeah, speaking of, of things that are concerningly definitely not dangerous, 
there's a bit of a kind of a, a delayed uh, reaction here where Raoden realizes that he should ask, how did Saolin get cut so bad? Because from what they've seen before, uh, Shayor's gang were very kind of unorganized, ill-equipped, and, and just kind of blunt and savage. But that's a uh, that's a sword wound because they've uh, some of them are now armed, and every time that Saolin loses one of his men, well, there goes all of their equipment. So yeah, this is uh, it. Feels like this is going to hit a tipping point where every single encounter is just going to go worse and worse and worse until it can't last. Like the Borg, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, we'll randomize our phaser frequencies. <laughs> Don't, uh... Why didn't Salem think of that? Idiot. <laughs> you fool. <laughs> I mean, we're going to go from here into uh, another deep dive on Andor. So maybe there's some phaser frequencies in there somewhere. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, after the, the visiting section, uh, Raoden is, uh, is taking some time to, to practice his Andor, which he has been doing uh, regularly. And has been just trying to to keep working on it. Uh, he is drawing Aeon Aeon, which <laughs> I mean, it's it's a uh, you know that 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 is the the origins of the word alphabet is the first two letters thereof. I was gonna say, oh shit, it would be annoying, except for that's also very realistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was today years old when I. <laughs> Yeah. I knew that it was based on alpha beta. Yeah. But yes, I did have the thought of you could have a Sion whose Aeon is Aeon. Is Aeon, yes. <laughs> it's just, just That's just fun. I just love my notes from this section. Raiden is drawing Aeons, and it doesn't work. Great. Galdon is proud of Raiden's pointless nonsense. <laughs> Gotta be supportive. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I don't know if this is another one of, of Galdon... Galadon does the same thing as Serene, just in a completely different context, where he is uh, the he, he takes whatever optimist pessimist side of the the balance is necessary in the given situation. <laughs> where because I think originally he was uh, he was fairly down on why are you bothering to try all this this Aeondor stuff? It doesn't work, and and now. Rayodin is is you know getting dejected about it and and Galadon says hey you know you're getting better at it I mean you are it's never gonna work yeah (laughs) and then there's the detail that Rayodin spends a few hours of everyday practicing that's a long fucking time it is a long time look it's really boring when there's no one around (laughs) I mean also you don't need to eat most of the time or they do sleep but, like, a lot of the things that you would normally do, you just don't in Elantris. Yeah. Um, I do... There's a weird detail of Aeondor that I really like, which is that um, the teleportation is based on body lengths. Um, I don't know why, but I really appreciate the science behind that of, well, we have to find some form of measurement for how to handle teleportation. And rather than use a standard metric, it is based on your own body length. I don't know. I just thought that was pretty fun. It's a way that the the magic doesn't have to... Like, it, it would be weird if in this current 
I mean, I, I'm positing a, a world where it is our world, except there is magic. So it's already weird. But like if there was <laughs> teleportation magic in, in our world and it was based, it was like, do this and you will move one meter. That would feel very strange. <laughs> like, why is it? Why is it exactly a meter? So, yeah, no, I, I think that's that's kind of cool. But uh, it's also in a uh, a very practical sense. We, we learned that teleportation magic with Andor is very dangerous because you can telefrag yourself. You can just teleport <laughs> into a wall. Sucks to be you. <laughs> womp womp. Before we move too, on, too much on from it, I really loved this little, this two sentence bit here. How are the crops? Riordan asked. Galdon turned around, looking back at the garden, <laughs> which is directly behind him. How are the crops? Uh, let me check real quick. How about you look, Riordan? <laughs> yeah, hang on. <laughs> are they growing? Do they look like they're growing? Yes! Well, then they're good, aren't they? <laughs> well, I guess Raiden has not had time to look up and look at the crops because, again, he's spending several hours a day on drawing aeons. This is true. And not running Little Elantris. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling it Little Elantris, not New Elantris. <laughs> That's such a that's that's such a weird like imagine going to an Italian city and they have a little Italy in the city. <laughs> I mean, go look up the city of London. It is not London. It is a small region inside of London that is called the city of London. Hey, Justin. Wait, what? <laughs> I hate that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really weird. It is, Widely it is, referred to simply heck? as the city. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is Wait, a. Dis- sorry, this sentence is incredibly powerful. The city of London, widely referred to simply as the city, is a city. <laughs> <laughs> it continues from there, but <laughs> that just that tickled me. It's it's one of those weird things where, um, in the same way that the United Kingdom is a country that is made up of countries, uh. London is also a city that is made up of cities, one of which is called the City of London. (laughs) What is this team? When you Google it, it says team, the Extreme Sport Challenges Association, which I clicked on and it leads to a YouTube channel. What? My first result when I Googled City of London is the Wikipedia page for the City of London. (laughs) Here, hang on. Yeah, what I do mean, you look This at? is this is unrelated to anything, but here. We're keeping it in. That. Yeah. See the purple link? Oh, oh, there's like a specific team associated with the City of London. <laughs> yeah, look at this look at this visual medium listener. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, take a look at this. Clearly this is just like getting scraped from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. you know AI based search results, great idea. Yeah, where is this coming from? I have no idea. There's someone Definitely. on Wikipedia who's upset that uh, people aren't doing good research on this. <laughs> Me, I just love that, like, the City of London, you Google it. Top result, Wikipedia, fair enough. Second result, City of London, things to do. Third result, City of London, 404, page not found. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, some peer review from the Extreme Sport Challenges Association, a Wikipedia article that did not get published. 
It feels like an advocacy puff piece and needs rewriting for neutral point of view. From your username, I suspect a conflict of interest. I hope some of that helped. <laughs> um, because the person who proposed this article is the Extreme Sport Challenges. Hmm. Conflict of interest, maybe. <laughs> Love it. Okay. So, yes. Oh, shit, in, the book. In in the city of New Elantris, <laughs> in the city of Elantris, uh, we have Raoden who is learning Aeon Aeon. <laughs> oh, no. Now that's a quote. I don't know what it means, but it's a quote. Uh, but yeah, we, um, Raiden and Galadon are talking about some of the things that Raiden has been uh, learning from this book, uh, which is like we mentioned, this is a uh, a study of like weird and unusual cases and failures of Aeondor. So it's a very weird learning material, but. But Raiden is trying to get something out of it. And this particular case that he was reading about uh, was a uh, a healing that was supposed to to take place. We saw this in his his flashback where you could go to Elantris and get healed. And it uh, it, it ended up with the something went wrong. the the aeon didn't behave like it was supposed to. Uh, and she ended up with, uh, black patches on her skin and lost her hair, which sounds very familiar to these two people with no hair and black patches all over their skin. Hmm. <laughs> what did he, uh, we had a, a moment like earlier here where, where Dilaf was like, and that was about when Triok crushed throat. And it, it seemed like an indication from Brandon that we're not introducing any new characters anymore. Wouldn't it be interesting if like this person who had this medical problem that talked about in this book was like somebody that we're gonna that we know that'd be so weird if just I, like i imagine they're hoed but it's i guess it's not out of the question that they're here although it does say she died a short time later she threw herself off a building but uh aside from that if you if you don't hmm. look at that that would be interesting the, the corpse the the corpse uh i was gonna say corpse found <laughs> <laughs> the, the 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 lady who threw herself off a building memorial fountain if this is implying that she actually became like this post sheor sheod god damn it post sheod elantrian <laughs> um that now all the elantrians have become I, I i don't know if she would have died from that so it could be that this is perhaps you know the the medical textbook not having every single detail about what mm -hmm. happened i don't know it's it's possible. Yeah, no, if there is a a link between these two conditions, which is what uh Raiden starts trying to to puzzle through is uh his new theory is that the way that the the Shayad is working now is that it is basically attempting to do the Elantrian transformation that used to happen, but it's getting stuck somehow. And so that's what that's what leaves them in this state of what they currently know as an Elantrian. Uh, and so maybe if there's some way to make it finish, then uh, then they could they could deal with it that way. But that is where the kind of actual theorizing runs out, and it's all just speculation from there. So they can't really do anything with that. I'm also realizing that not only did I get Sheor and Sheod confused. I also was thinking of the wrong term. I was trying to think of Riyadh, 
which is also <laughs> separate from Tiad, just to keep everything straight here, guys. It's all so clear. Sheer, Sheyad, Hoed, Riyad, Aeon, Ian, Seon. And the Aeon, Aeon. What were the two countries Eden, that are Iden. almost the same? Uh, Eden and Aedan and Aeon are all different people, I think. Yep. Yeah, it's it's great. Susian. It kind of is. Yeah, it's pretty sus. <laughs> I'm just amused by Rayodin invoking Attack on Titan character brain in this section because they have all these theories and Galadon goes, that sounds like a leap, man. And he goes, it is, but I'm sure it's true. <laughs> I've just got a feeling that I'm going to be proven right even though I don't have enough evidence yet. <laughs> we'll have to wait some more to learn anything more about the uh the the aeons and the transformation here uh, but we do learn something which is we finally do get some uh some galadon backstory beyond i was a farmer stop talking about it <laughs> because uh Raiden's, uh probing question is uh you know you you say you have only been in elantris for a few months but like you know everywhere here you you can take me to basically any place through like back alleys and whatnot like how do you know all this and so we uh we get our backstory which is that uh galadon's father was an elantrian and galadon actually grew up here until uh at a at some point in his life he felt that he didn't really fit in uh, and moved uh, i guess to his family's homeland to to duladel to uh, to run a farm this is rough this is rough stuff yeah it's not, it's not good i think you can kind of tell how intense this conversation is going to be when galadon just flat out uses rayodin's name talking to him mm -hmm. um which he almost never does um and then he finally yeah gives gives the backstory and mentions how uh, his father chose to stay in his study and disappear, just like those aeons you keep drawing, which was that that really hurt. I don't know why that specific line hurt real bad, but it hurt real bad. I I was just, I was gonna say something similar, like, I think Brandon's metaphors and like, use of prose can get a little over the top in this book, but the, the that line hit me, and then the other one that really hit me was I left him a poor, lonely god in a divine city, wishing for nothing so much as the freedom to be a simple man again. <sighs> Oof. Bad. The city bad. is bad. The city is bad. Which is better than, I left him an egg on a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> About to fall over and crack. <laughs> on, the, on the edge. Um... Uh, yeah, it's this really sad moment, and then there's kind of a weird, like, Rayonda did, did a very good job of, oh, I'm so sorry you didn't know about Duodel, I feel really bad. But here, Galadon says this whole speech, and then Rayodin's first thing is, oh, so you hate Elantris, that's why? It's like, you're not gonna say I'm sorry? Like, that sucks, <laughs> I'm here for you if you want to talk about it more? It's just, oh, now I understand. He does, uh, he does work around to it a little bit later when he says, I'm just going to go with something true, uh, which is that I appreciate you and I appreciate what you've done to help me. I did like that. Yeah. 
still working our way through this uh, considerable chapter, we have one more significant development that we have to get through, and it starts uh, with our our next scene, uh, which is Raiden, uh trying to get some sleep, and it it not really not coming. There's something that's sticking in his head that isn't uh, th- that isn't leaving him alone, and he's thinking about. Uh, the fact that Galadon had seen uh, the the actual Elantris in its full glory and what that have, would have been like uh, and how it would have been so beautiful. Uh, that is when Raiden realizes something, which is the 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 people in Elantris, especially the the Hoed, not all of them were put in here after the riad you know if if existing elantrians were still there would they also become like current elantrians and so in particular that one that one man who has we've seen twice now who has just been saying so very beautiful to himself over and over again had seen the city before and has has been an elantrian since what was it a decade ago that whole time which i kind of figured from the once so very beautiful stick that he repeated yeah i kind of also assumed that this was this scene leads to some really cool stuff but yeah i didn't realize this was meant to be a plot twist because yeah this is a person who once thought about how beautiful they were i kind of assumed they were a true elantrian at some point wait a sec one-eyed Bill only has one eye. <laughs> this whole time? <gasps> this whole damn time. Just like the Lord Ruler. <laughs> so yeah, starting from a uh, a realization on Raiden's part that may have been something that uh, that we already suspected. Raiden is, is going to try to see if he can get any information from from this person in particular information not so much uh, but this person has a request a, a demand uh, which is to be taken out uh, and specifically to the lake and none of the group here has any idea what that means uh, but they they're willing to to find out and this man is going to lead them so we're going to go find some secrets this feels like a this brief sequence feels like a video game mini quest. You're like leading someone and you have to follow their eyes in order to know where to go next. <laughs> it's like that. There's that one part in I think it's Assassin's Creed Brotherhood where you like disguise yourself as a guard and you're leading two other people and you have to just listen to their comments to figure out which way to go because every time you go the wrong way they're like, "What is he doing?" <laughs> And then when you start going the right way, they're like, very well done, sir. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> kind of like Hitman, where if you don't have your arms crossed, you're clearly suspicious. That's true. <laughs> well, and then it, it becomes further, I think, definitely Assassin's Creed when they have to find the secret switch to open the door. Although I do quite like this, uh, where they are... They find the secret door. Raiden and Galadon are trying to 
to to push on it, trying to find where it will lever open. And then Karata presses the open button. <laughs> that I, I did find funny. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. It's It's really funny when you think that it's a really complex puzzle, but really you're just trying to find the word open. And that's all you have to do. Uh-huh. Speak friend and enter. Uh-huh, Caleb? Yeah. Has that ever happened to you, Caleb? Oh, Spider-Man. Look, sometimes <laughs> D&D puzzles are difficult when you don't... It seems obvious when you know the answer, but it's not when you have no idea what the answer is. I gave them an anagram where they had... They were trying to open a door that kept exploding in their faces, and the anagram was disarm open. And uh, for the while, the best they could come up with was, oh, Spider-Man. <laughs> or Spider-Moan, which felt worse. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was bad. I will I, I, I will say, I at one point, I had to like go through a good amount of justification to explain how I could share this with the other characters because of the kind of wackiness happening with the town. But I went through the work to be like, hey, my character has now canonically shown the entire party everything I'm working with. So now everybody can work on this puzzle. And every other person was like, cool. Anyways, we're going to do our own things. Keep going, Caleb. You're doing great. <laughs> Perfect. So yeah, they uh, they they do figure out the, the puzzle of hit the switch that says open. And they find themselves in a uh, a, a shrine of some sort. Uh, this is a, a well-preserved place. And uh, yeah, this is this is something that they haven't seen anywhere else in the city. So this is this is quite quite something. Uh, I have apparently been pre-reading from Sam's notes, uh, which say they enter into a shrine of some sort. Well, you are also pre-reading exactly from the, the book itself, where Rayodin says, this place is holy. A shrine of some sort. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like some sort of shrine. What could it be? Uh, this location is very interesting because it's it, it was the button that has the open Aeon on it, but it's not using Aeonic magic. So there's something kind of weird of like it is it is an opening in which the Aeon is not meant to work. It's just a mechanical thing. Right. So the people who designed it, did they know that the magic wasn't going to last forever? Why would they design it like that? I don't know. It's very interesting. And then we also see that it's it's lit with uh, regular lanterns. So mm -hmm. it, this was either like a preparation for the possibility of the magic not working, or maybe this was a place where the magic should not be used, perhaps. Mm. It is also weirdly clean, which is the only place that we've seen that in Elantris, aside from the extensive effort to make new Elantris that place. And also, there's more books. Books. So many books. <laughs> yeah, but they're not cans. It's true. No, there are there are no cans here. <laughs> hey, you never know. Some of these books might be hollowed out and have cans inside. They could. <laughs> I'll just... I will never forget that moment where Spook goes, look, guys, cans. <laughs> Thanks, Spook. But there's uh, there's not quite time to to stay and examine this yet because they do need to to finish their their side quest uh, and and take this man where he needs to go. 
and there is a uh, there is a small uh, passage that they find, and it is a it is a considerable trek. This passage goes on. It says it takes almost an hour, uh, and they are uh, they're they're climbing. They're going back and forth. They find themselves finally at the end with just a regular basic wooden door and they open the door and they are up on one of the mountains that is near the city of Elantris. So quite a trek there. And this is, uh, this is, this is quite a, a site for a number of reasons. Cause you have, you have the view of the, the city, both Elantris and the surrounding cities. Uh, but then as they continue on up, uh, this this last path up the mountain uh they find the lake which is is uh what they were apparently looking for uh and it's more of just a a pool here up on the mountainside and as they they saw depicted in the the shrine uh the uh elantrian needs to go into the pool and and they do they they've been carrying him and they they take him and they lower him into the water and just dissolves he he has a moment of of respite that they can tell there's a a sigh of of finally relief and then he's gone and uh the last thing that we we have for this this group here up on the mountain uh is uh Raoden, uh asking a a promise of galadon of saying when it's time bring me here and and put me in and don't let me suffer like that. So this leaves us with uh with quite a bit to to think about, huh? Yeah. Just again, the second time it's happened this chapter, but it's a mega chapter. Um <laughs> uh Galadon at first is like, look, that's got to be a long time before you're there. Um and then Rayodin says, No, I need you to promise me. And Galadon once more uses Rayodin's real name when he says, I swear. Um, which shows you that Galadon also very much understands the the weight of what Rayodin is going through here. And that is something that we are not going to get any more info on because that is uh that's the end of the that's the end of our Rayodin POV for the section. Uh, and I believe is the end of us seeing uh, inside Elantris because the the last of our two scenes we're not gonna be back there, so uh, we'll have to see what uh, what that leads to next. Two more chapters before we we wrap up here. Uh, a I guess regular sized one for Serene, and then one final bit with Hraithan before we're done. A little guy. <laughs> uh, with Serene, uh, Ash has uh, has learned some information here. It was during the chapter break, so he was able to do that. <laughs> he Ash has has learned that uh, this this newcomer Lord Spirit uh, has apparently uh, come into power uh, with only only within the last month or so. And that he has defeated Karata and Andon. Uh, apparently there was an enormous battle. So Ash gets to do stuff off screen and he comes back and immediately gives more incorrect information. <laughs> it's hard to tell what's going on inside Elantris, I guess. Yeah, I know, but it's... 
I keep rooting for Ash. I keep, you know, I'm a Cubs fan, so it's relatable, but I keep wanting him to be really good, and then he keeps falling short. <laughs> By the way, the Cubs just lost. Yeah, they, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, so Ash has provided some information of both positive and negative value here. And uh, Serene is trying to figure out what to uh, what to take from here. Uh, she's not uh, particularly upset at being lied to in this regard, uh, because she she says you expect some sort of subterfuge like this, and so she's mostly just trying to figure out like what does this what does this actually mean for our negotiations? Where do I take this from here? We also learned that uh, this whole discussion uh, is taking place in the back of one of the uh, the transport carts because normally uh, Serene manages to to snag a ride with one of the other people, uh, one of the other nobles with their their fancy transport, uh, and was going to get a ride with Shudin, uh, but uh, Terena got there first, so. Serene is is stuck in the back of the truck, basically, and uh, we we close the first section with uh, the the ride getting a bit bumpy, and uh, her taking a note with Ash of next time we see Shuden, I need to kick him. <laughs> Which, I I've been reading ahead more. We've hit the point where I just want to read a bunch and, and finish things, so I don't remember if it's during this section or if it's during a a later section. But Serene threatens to kick, like, four people. <laughs> I think that's a future section. At this point, she is bemoaning that she doesn't have a chance to do much kicking. Fair. I, just, I, that just reminds me of The Western Game is one of my favorite books. And it is, like, Correct. an yes. important plot point that one of the main characters, Turtle, has a bad habit of kicking people mm-hmm. in the shins. Plot-relevant <laughs> shin bruises. It's a great book. Is HBO going to adapt so that? Is that going anywhere? They said that like four years ago. I don't know if that's going anywhere. But so hey, right now. last I checked, they were, well, okay. Yeah, don't do this right now because I don't want to be a scab. But last I checked, <laughs> they were still looking for a script. So uh, once you assholes finally agree to pay your writers well, but if you're still looking for a script, hit me up. <laughs> Our email will be at the end of the episode yeah 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 there you go hey you can make connections anywhere you never know that's true so we uh, we now return to fencing practice it's been a bit there uh and yeah there's there's no chance for uh for kicking shooting right now uh you could serene could go stab him though that would make her quite unpopular <laughs> because uh shooting is is still uh quite popular with with the ladies here and uh, apparently the fencing practice is actually going reasonably well. Are you unimpressed by my ability to teach? Yes, your method of wave your swords around, I guess, is not a good teaching method. <laughs> yeah, no, not... Uh, I, I think Eondel probably deserves a, a good bit of the, the credit here. <laughs> we have the uh, the second uh, uh, bit of the recurring saga of the Sour Melons. Uh, because apparently, <laughs> very impressive that Luke got his sour melons. Maybe he got them from Driok Crushthroat, who everyone keeps talking about for some reason. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> that name keeps coming up, doesn't it? Uh, but yeah, the 
the, the business deal has been done uh, with between Idon and uh, Tiad, and the uh, the verdict from Lukel is uh, Iodon's just barely going to make it with with this deal coming in plus everything else that he has. Uh, he will still be at least wealthy enough to uh, reasonably hold claim on the throne. Yeah, until uh, <clears throat> until Tellery's accountants get a hold of that and go, wait a minute, you're depreciating land, you fucker. <laughs> Is that allowed? And then, and then Iodon goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm using double declining balance. We don't have time for sled logistics, but we do have time for double declining balance. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I'm here for the accounting. You know, that's what it's all about. Is what it is all about. I don't know. I just like the hokey pokey. <laughs> as as a fan of Neil Stephenson books, I cannot object to books that have a plot but are actually just about some topic that the author is interested in. <laughs> yeah, a hallmark of of Stevenson stuff is just hey, I, here's this thing I like. Let me write an essay about it. But also, there's a plot going on. Yeah, I once described. Um, some of his books as uh 600 pages of exposition followed by 100 pages of climax and then the book ends <laughs> pretty much look i watch jojo i know how it goes sometimes <laughs> I was say the same thing <laughs> sometimes there's a really dangerous threatening killer falcon hunting one of the characters and the narrator says by the way, did you know that falcons can breathe underwater because of how many air sacs birds have and the way that the air circulates through their entire body? And then it's back to the, like, fight to the death. <laughs> but the fight to the death is underwater, so it was totally it important was to know relevant. that. So I, I guess, sadly, we don't get details on the accounting. No. <laughs> no. Uh, what we do hear, though, is that... Uh, uh, Edan, who was uh, apparently always kind of the, uh, I, I can't remember, did one of us say this when we were meeting that group of, like, it seems like Edan is is not quite as on board as everyone else. I don't see it on the predictions, but I feel like we mentioned that. Oh, I, I predicted he would either betray or at the very least leave the party. This is, this is some podcast points for me. <laughs> Why didn't I write that down? Yeah, no, I definitely remember, I remember hearing that. Oh, no, there it is. It was, I put it in the would be interesting. It was, you were wondering mm, okay. if Eden right, maybe, would betray maybe not many, Maybe not many podcast points, but I did bring it up. Yes, okay. I, I, was, I was not misremembering something that was, that was a possibility. But yeah, he has, uh, he's cut and run. And uh, he is uh, also the, the fact that... Um, uh, he's suffered some uh, uh, some setbacks on uh, his farming fronts. Means that he's not going to have the the returns that he thought, and so needs to needs to deal with some things over there. Which, what's I know Brandon well enough. What's the point of that, Brandon? What are you, what are you doing there? <laughs> like Yeadon just kind of showed up and then caused issues, but he caused issues that were plot relevant. Why have Edan if he's just gonna fuck off? I, I'm very 
I'm very curious what the deal with that is. Mm, this feels like a Rayfo answer here. Well, we also right now haven't been anywhere outside of Elantris or K. So, yeah. like, we've we've heard that Eden is heading towards uh, Duladel, and if we ever go to Duladel, maybe we'll we'll see what's going on there. But yeah, mostly during the the fencing practice, we just have uh, kind of check ins on how everything is going. Uh, Serene is trying to get more of the the women of the court to to come with on the the trips to Elantris, uh, though it's not. It's not uh, going very well so far. Only Terena was the uh, the only one who's done so, and so Serene tries to to leverage that into just outright uh, stating, "You're going to come to Elantris tomorrow," and uh, Terena can tell you it it wasn't a disaster. We we can do this. We're going to go uh, make that appearance, and we'll pose like that scene in Endgame. <laughs> At least this time it makes sense because it's specifically, hey, let's all get together. It's not, why would every single woman be at that exact spot on this football <laughs> si- football field-sized battlefield? <laughs> that may be true. Anyways, then Serena's sad because nobody wants her because she's such a shrew. She's just so different. She's, she's completely undesirable. You're a princess! Someone must want to date the princess! Yondel was far older than she, but Serene could sense his feelings toward her. Respect, admiration, and a willingness to serve. It was as if he didn't even know she was a woman. What the- what the hell? <laughs> you, you- someone respects and admires you, and you go, Come on, why, why would you do that? I'm a woman! Yeah, I don't know. I- I think that this- part of Serene's plotline continues to not really land for us, but I wish that we it would turn at least more towards the better and try to kind of recover itself. Yeah. It's, fr- it's extra frustrating because there's some, like, there's some interesting seeds in there of, like, someone who feels so out of place in her own country that she, she views this new country as a fresh start and then that fresh start gets and it gets shayotted. <laughs> um... And and she has to sort of try to rebuild from from completely new footing all over again. There's that could be interesting if the reason she fled wasn't no men liked me. Uh, yeah, and I would like that that sentence of he only respected her and didn't think of her as like an available like a bachelorette. Um, I would give that a pass of, hey, that's a really interesting, like, thought for your character to have, that despite everything, this is still kind of somewhere in the back of her mind. But it seems like it's constantly on the back of her mind, and it's, it, it, it always feels really weird and icky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we have another uh, point here that is, is somewhat related to the, uh, the interesting relationship that Serene has with her old home country and her new one as well uh, because we uh, we again get uh, the barest glimpse of this this conflict in the past between Keen and Evanteo where Serene tries to to bring it up to Keen 
uh, who almost doesn't notice it and then goes, hang on, what what what, what have you heard? Uh, but also <laughs> refuses to elaborate. Uh, he says, we had a disagreement and, and Serene tries to dig on this and he just goes, nah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to speak too soon, and I'm not putting chips on this because I don't want it to be true. If the disagreement is just Keen and uh, Evan Teo both fell in love with the same lady and Keen was like trying to get in on that, I'm going to be really upset because that's, that's, that just feels so petty and dumb and there's so many politics <laughs> happening in this book and if that's all it is, I'm going to be very disappointed. And it's also weirdly more misborn dna because two brothers falling in love with the same woman happened in misborn too <laughs> yeah well uh and this is clearly something that we're going to find out about at a a key moment at some point but uh still no indication of of even kind of what category of uh, of conflict we're dealing with here yeah okay i i, I I'm not incredibly worried about it because Keen kind of brushes it off and he's laughing about it. But also that's kind of Keen's character and Evanteo, who's usually pretty chill, got really intense about it. So I feel like it's probably something higher stakes and Keen is just trying to hide it. But the, the reaction from Keen here made me a little nervous that it's going to be something dumb. And then we move on to uh, that RPG thing where like, you know, those RPGs where you can ask every character, every question, (laughs) before saying i should go yes yes and you you go up to like the the fuck it the potion seller and go <laughs> it has been zero days seller it's been have zero you, days since we i'm not referencing the, the video i'm referencing like i'm referencing like you go up to the potion seller and you go have you do you sell blue cloth because you can also say that to the clothing seller and that's why she asks Keen if he knows if there's any secret passages in Iodon's palace. <laughs> why would oh. he know that? Oh, I wouldn't know anything about that. You'll have to ask someone else. Is there anything else I can help you with? <laughs> yes, I need your strongest potion. <laughs> I was going to say, Sam, it doesn't matter if you weren't referencing it. Beth referenced it, so it's still been zero days. <laughs> bingo cards, baby. <laughs> Put it on the bingo card. Also, even though Keen would have no logical reason to know about this, and he doesn't know for sure, he does say, oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> like, I, I know yeah, Iodon. Yeah, he probably has secret passages. I imagine. Who are the three virgins, and why are they surprised? You know what's better than one holy virgin? <laughs> three holy virgins. <laughs> it's a religion that's three times as deep as Christianity. <laughs> Do we know what... Uh, religion Keen follows? I mean, presumably it's Shukoreth because he lives here and that is the, the predominant one, but I don't think we actually know. Yeah, I, that's also, yeah, that was also my assumption, but I don't know if that's been confirmed. And he's also, he's from um, Tiad, which I believe is, as we've seen, is even more firmly Karathi. Yeah. So, uh, to wrap up the the chapter... Uh, we have a, uh, uh, a, I guess, a little bit of a bait and switch on a a romantic lead, where uh, Serene has some time to to think about uh, the the negotiations and the dealings with uh, with 
spirit and how in this weird kind of conflict she's kind of enjoying it uh you know it's 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 fun to to play these little games and whatnot and and he's friendly to her so there's there's that and that the it's on the mind and then uh deora you know it's it's a little bit more of you know the the notable women here are the ones who aren't like all the others but we've seen that deora seems to have a a, a pretty uh, a pretty good read on things and uh she says you know i've i've seen that look uh there's there's a man and there's there's something there there's something that's not uh not going to go like you want it to and it's troubling you and serene has this brief moment of how how could she possibly know about that uh but deora is uh is looking at shudin because shudin has apparently finally uh ended up in a relationship even if it's not being called that yet he and Terena are having a grand time together and <laughs> Deora has assumed that you know everyone else in this this damn group is is pining over <laughs> Chudin so there's probably a lot of broken hearts now that he's he's finally uh seems to have found someone but uh, that's in this case not quite what has happened here I like I won't lie this Raiden Serene dynamic is it's cute it's kind of fun I do appreciate this kind of like battle of wits that they have with each other and both of them are starting to realize hey I this is kind of fun like there's part of it that I, I kind of really enjoy it's also just given all the other things with Serene's storyline that we've had our frustrations with it's slightly frustrating that like the big cliffhanger for part one for Rayoden is he's finally found a very dark way out of his suffering if he ever needs it. But he's also learning more about the secrets of Elantris and what could have caused the Riyadh. And Hraithan is having this hor- like horrifically complicated crisis of faith as he realizes um, all the all the terrible things he's done and how it might repeat again and how he thinks that he should be okay with that. And the fact that he's not means he's too weak. And then Serene's big part one cliffhanger is, she's got a crush. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, no, I can I can see that. It's a uh it's a complicated crush that has I'm, I mean, it starts from the fact that it's her actual husband. Uh but you know, also the whole Elantris thing in between. But yeah, it does seem like a, a bit of a um not like not all the conflicts are high stakes in terms of impact on the world like Hraithan's is a very personal thing um but like personal meaningfulness impact there is there is some uh mismatch i kind of like it though let me go into it i uh, i i kind of like it because it uh raises the possibility that Serene's just going to have the rug pulled out from under her at some point. Like, at some point, everything is going to go wrong all at once, and it's all going to come crashing, tumbling down. I'm okay with that. Uh, everybody else has their own established kind of plot. Could be interesting coming up. We'll see. But I will say, yes, in general, I am much more engaged by Raiden and much, much more engaged by Hraithan. 
uh, Serena I still find kind of annoying, but maybe that'll change. We'll see. I think that's fair that this this could be a potential setup for later, like later things a tumbling. But to I think Caleb, it was your point. She's got a lot of other shit going on <laughs> that that we could potentially be pulling on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it is yeah. A, a little frustrating for this to be her her act one finale, as it were. Right. It just feels quite almost memorable. <laughs> Yeah, there's, you think of one day more and everyone's like, well, I might, you know, I might die tomorrow and I'm going undercover and, uh, oh, my one true love is moving away forever. And from John Valjean's perspective, he's just like, yeah, tomorrow's moving day. I got, I got to head out. (laughs) I thought you were going to go to uh, the Tenardiers of going to make some cash. They, yeah, yeah, that's also another one, but Serene is not meant to be the Tenardier of the book. Tellery is the Tenardier of this book. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're fair. It, it would be funny to just get like a 50-word chapter from Tellery's perspective, and he's like, man, I can't wait to make some more money. And then it moves into Horathan's like really intense like panic attack of what's happening with, with my faith. I mean, I think without further ado, we can we can get to the final chapter of this section it is uh only i think it would be two pages if you printed just the text uh we have it, it's all kind of coming to a head for Hraithan, uh because he has now received the news that and this is what telry told him but he's now seen the details where uh, Iodon's finances have succeeded well enough to to stay on the throne, and so that's another angle that hasn't worked. Uh, and so, yeah, here it it all it all comes down all at once of uh, Hraithan's plans aren't working. Uh, Diloph has uh, has got this this gathering of faithful around him. Uh, Hraithan has had his own personal. Uh, doubts on the way that he's doing things, on how much he believes, on whether Diloph should actually be the one in charge, and this is a this is another scene that I I want to see where he 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 just drops to his knees, still full plate armor, and you know he he says he spent he he would pray for hours a week, but normally they were. They were very meditative and and contemplative, and and this is this is pleading to his God. Show me what to do, and it's it's the most like outright passion that we've seen from from Hraithen without the kind of control behind it, and yeah, it's it's just good. I like it. Yeah, it's it's very good is the thing. Hraithan reached out to that god whom he had served for so long he had almost forgotten him is like the wildest line of the whole book <laughs> so far. And I love it. It's it's good. Hraithan's a cool character. And in in one of those ways that I, I feel like happens in, uh, in parables of sorts is, you know, Hraithan does not hear a, a, a voice in response or anything like that. Uh, but after some 
indeterminate amount of time praying, uh, there is an answer. There's a knock at the door. And it's a delivery uh, from uh, from Fortin, the uh, the poisons that he had had ordered several chapters ago, and that's I that's an answer, I guess. And as we we close the the scene and the part here, Krathen uh, realizes that he needs a plan that is uh, a little more drastic than what he had originally planned on. Uh, this th- this poison uh, is not going to be meant for Diloph as it once was. Krathen uh, and... will drink it himself. <laughs> yes! <laughs> <laughs> my original plan was to pick up my mic and put it across the room and just, just holler, but I positioned it very carefully. And because I have an attached mic, I'm the only one who can't fuck around with that very much. But oh. yeah, baby. <laughs> Is that why you asked us to check your audio quality at the beginning? <laughs> no, I did that because I made a really weird shit post audio thing mm. to share. Respect. So, yeah, I'm in rare form tonight. <laughs> what with the whole Hraithan quaffing at himself, baby. Oh. There are some uh, some hints to its effects in uh, the note here from Fortin. Uh, it says the victim will not display any symptoms until about eight hours. Uh, we do not yet actually see what it does, uh, but we do close uh, part one, the shadow of Elantris, with Hraithan downing the, the, the poison in a single gulp. We also, I believe this is our first confirmation that it would be referred to as poison. Up until now, it was just, I need a concoction of some sort. <laughs> and we guessed it was probably bad news, but now it is being called poison. It's clearly not meant to be a good thing. Um, and we also, there's four doses, or there's four vials, and he asked for at least two doses. It's I, I think it's unclear if there's four doses, or maybe there's two antidotes as well, perhaps. Um, that remains to be seen. The... Uh... The word antidote is one of those things that just has a, a single association that I always have, uh, which is, I don't even remember what, um, oh no, it was from uh, Dinosaur Comics. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, they sell a mug that has a whole bunch of um, like chemical symbols on it, uh, and it says, looks like I'm the only one here with a mug of the antidote. <laughs> which i like but yeah so we 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 have even with this dramatic moment and close of the section uh we have some questions like who is the other dose for and what do the other set of vials do uh but we have seen one thing happen which is that hraithan took one end of part and scene <laughs> great job everyone <laughs> Hit the showers. We'll, we'll work on the rest tomorrow. Uh, yeah, we have we have finished uh, part one of Elantris. It took us seven episodes. Uh, so naturally, that means that part two will take us three episodes and part three will take us one episode because that's how books are divided. Of course. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm really excited to, uh, to, to keep going on. Like I mentioned, um, I have been... I've been reading kind of just ahead so that I have been uh, up to date on exactly what we're going to talk about. Uh, but leading into to part two, I was definitely 
ready to read more. So I'm, I'm looking forward to all of us doing that. Before we do so, though, we've got uh, the, the other parts of our episode to take care of. We have... Do we have anyone making the cast list? Now, Justin, every time you ask that, you, <laughs> you say, there, there's, I don't think there's any new characters. And then I say, wait, wait, Justin. I have a few people to add. Today is a very special day. I have <gasps> no one to add to the cast list. <gasps> but I do. Wow! <laughs> wait, Sam does? <laughs> Listen, Wait. I know everybody's been so interested to hear my casting for all the other remaining people. So I listen to the voice of the people and I cast them as cartoon characters. All right. <laughs> I, I'm ready for this. Hit me up. What do okay. we have? So uh, they're mostly Disney. Some are not Disney. Uh, Kahar. I went with Amphitryon, the dad from Hercules. <laughs> Uh, we're strong some, start we're getting some deep cuts I see <laughs> that's right uh, Galadon I went with uh, uh, Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z or Maui I guess if we're keeping it Disney <laughs> Maui's not perfect um, but Piccolo is Piccolo's perfect <laughs> Rayodin I'm going with Aladdin uh, Serene is Belle this obviously is, this is gonna... This is going to screw up. I just need to add a whole other column. That's what I need to do. <laughs> Sam's cartoons column? <laughs> Wait, I'm cart- sorry. <laughs> our, our crown prince Rayodin is Aladdin, who is called in song a street rat. Wait, yes. wait why could you just make... Is it going to be Prince Ali version? <laughs> yeah, it'll be Prince Ali. Perfect. See? I, Sam, if you're having fun with this, I want you to continue. I also okay. just want to say... If you want to opt out of casting, you, no one's no. making you do this. No, I refuse. The people have spoken. Here, I only have a couple more names, uh, and and they're funny. So there. Uh, Hraithan. Uh, I said it's mostly Disney. Uh, take a guess who Hraithan is. Is it still? Should am I allowed to ask? Is it still Disney? Yes, it's still Disney. I'm thinking you just got done casting Aladdin and blood red clothing. I'm going to go with Jafar. I'm going with Frollo. Yep. Uh, Beth was right. Frollo. Frollo thematically, <laughs> Frollo. Frollo makes more sense. That's fair. Thematically, yeah. yeah. And also just with his poses, a picture trait. <laughs> Legitimately, Claude Frollo is a nice mesh. He's nice. Uh, he's a nice guy. Uh, Karata. Big, big ups to Frollo. <laughs> No, not big ups to Frollo. Uh, Alright, so Karata, I have a deep cut. It's Helga Sinclair from Atlantis. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, so there. Uh, Dilaf, I have a shallow cut. It's Syndrome from Incredibles. <laughs> and then two more. Uh, two more, that's it. Uh, Tellery, uh, I didn't go Disney. I said Morshu from Zelda Faces of Evil. Incredible. So that's why <laughs> you can listen to Duke Tellery read the entire Bible. <laughs> Look that up. Morshu, Bible, YouTube. Look it up. Um, and then Royale, I have Hedonism Bot. So. <laughs> Which is just perfect. So there, uh, maybe I will have actual actual human beings next time, but for now I just felt like doing a shit post. so there. And can thank I, you for it. Can I just, can we all just acknowledge Hel- Helga Sinclair is, like, needlessly hot. Like, 
what is she? I think you're going to see her. You're going to see her and go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't need to go that hard. <laughs> they, they didn't need to, but they did. <laughs> they did for young queer girls everywhere. <laughs> Looked at this character and went, ha. Huh. Women want her and fish fear her. <laughs> well, congrats, everyone. This has been our strangest casting session yet. <laughs> Yay, and it's all thanks to me. I was here for it. I well, had, also thanks to Caleb not having time. anybody. That's yeah. true. It is very both, strange. Both of those equally strange. The there, was one, there was a character that I could have cast, which is the old man who gets oh, put in the lake, but... My my usual stipulation, unless it's obvious otherwise that I really should be casting a person, they need a physical description, they need dialogue, and they need a name. And he did not get a name, so I did not cast him. He's also and then, uh, then he pretty, dissolved. Yeah, he's also yeah, yeah pretty <laughs> distinctly not going to be appearing further. So yeah. it can be a cameo from like the director's dad or something. I don't care. Yeah, why not? Just just find some old guy who's working on set and be like, hey, you want to be in the movie? And then it's a fun IMDb <laughs> trivia. You'll get to dissolve in a lake. Whee! All right. Hey, at that rate, I'll be cast as that guy because I have a habit <laughs> of being cast as either old people, people who die, or dead old people. You're the perfect... This is your perfect role. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, with, with these dramatic revelations of a, a casting section i think we've got to just keep going and yeah end of a part is a great place to to try to see what's what's coming up next i think we've had some some further developments that are definitely going to uh we, we've gotten an answer or two and there's definitely times for more questions so uh sam do you want to get us started with our uh our prediction section Yes, I do. Uh, so just as a preview, um, we started recording this at like 7.30. Um, as of 6.30, uh, I had like five or six things. Uh, as of 7.15, I had like 12. So <laughs> productive is, time. I actually have, I, spoiler, I have very little for this episode. This is really between oh casting God, and you... theories. This is, uh, Sam and I have swapped personalities today. Did you today. Friday? Oh, yeah, what happened? Flip, yeah. Uh, and you'll, you'll figure out uh, just from, in terms of number and depth of predictions, which character I like the most. Um, so <laughs> Can't wait for uh, seven straight serene theories. It's yeah. set. Uh, okay, um, so uh, here's the predictions from Softballist. This is one that I came up with while I was reading, and it was mostly because I was annoyed that they kept saying this. Uh, people are going to figure out that Rayodin is Rayodin. Um, Serene's pretty vapid, but she catches on eventually, with the help of Ash especially. So eventually somebody's going to be like, ah, Rayodin, you're Rayodin. Spirit, that means Rayo. I don't know. <laughs> Um, so I think that'd be a thing that happens. <laughs> One of my questions that I had was what's blocking the door. Um, I think it may literally just be a, an Aeon that broke or was broken and that they got to just find the Aeon and fix it. Okay. 
Um, Sorry, no it took me a second to remember that door is the magic system, and I was like, "What door could they not open? What what Who's was blocking the door? door that, something was blocking it." There's a there's a something stuck in the door jam. The door is jammed. The door is jammed though. Um, all right. Uh, so what is Keen's disagreement with Evan Teo? I said trade dispute, and then a shrug. Something like that. Um, all right. So, Serene and her sword fighters are going to have to defend the cart against Shaor's men. And then endgame pose. Uh, the long-range effects of Shaor's men attacking Serene are going to be bad. Um, and I think Diloph's going to get a lot more traction out of it, for one thing. Um, and now, we move on from the zombie and the cheek tapper to... <laughs> That's my album name. <laughs> Zombie and the Cheek Tepper. All right. So I still think the potion is Potion of Become a Lantrian. Um, I don't think... I'm starting to think that it's not like for real Become a Lantrian. I think it's more of a look like you're an Elantrian. That's all you really needed out of Diloph was just like for him to see that... Maybe his plan was Diloph like quaffs it sees he's a Lantrian, and then just offs himself or something. I'm not 100% sure <laughs> what exactly the plan would be for it, but it feels like it was just kind of that. Um, but uh, it's uh, obviously not like death poison, you know, as opposed to living poison. Uh, because otherwise he wouldn't quite That would it. be very dark and also very hilarious if... This, like, very interesting character we've been having the whole time is like, what am I going to do? Guess, <laughs> I know. Here's a fucking idea for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll drink arsenic. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so, we continue on from there. What happens when Hraithan becomes a Lantrian? Uh, after he quaffs it and becomes a Zamborini, he, he goes into a Lantris all defeated. Uh, sees the fucked up way Elantrians live, and then comes out after the potion wears off, which is hopefully not in too long, because he's, you know, on the clock here. Uh, stronger than ever, ready to rumble, same old problems. But, stronger than ever. In the end, because Brandon's a religious boy, Hraithan will probably learn to be more faithful. Who's the second potion for? I think it's for Serene. The first potion was for Diloph, but uh, the point has been achieved. Hraithan quaffed Diloph's potion thing uh, because the point was a religious kind of establishment here. So, there. I don't know where I'm going with that. Fuck it. It's serene. There. Uh, Alright, so, uh, I still think that the plan is ultimately to get Telri on the throne. I also think Telri's greed is going to dick over Hraithan's plot. Because that's just kind of Telri's flaw, is that he's consistently greedy. Um, I still think Iodon's going to fall eventually. Uh, given that he constantly look like, looks like he's going to pop a blood vessel, maybe by heart attack? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but he's always got that, that just on the verge of screaming kind of bit. Yeah, no, that seems accurate. And I think just in general, the rest of this book, it's going to become like an attrition game of chess. 
you know, they capture bigger pieces until all that's left are like six pawns and maybe a knight. And actions just become hastier and less well thought out as time goes along. The wheels fall off. Things fall apart. That's, I think, the rest of the thrust of this book. Um, whereas Mistborn is about things coming together, this will probably be a thing where you think that they're going to lose up until the point where they win. Um, and I think that'll be uh, interesting to see. Um, and my last point established earlier this episode that I'm, I'm codifying. I'm, I'm putting into paper, writing into words. Uh, the woman who got shayotted in the bad way by the stupid Elantrian doctor. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think that was a relative of Diloph, and that's why he's so vehemently angry at Elantrians, as opposed to most other people who are just kind of a casual anger toward them. I'm not going to put a ton of chips on it. In fact, I want to put is probably won't happen but would be interesting because i feel like brandon loves establishing new characters but uh it would be kind of nifty if we know the person who jumped off a building not personally but indirectly so that's my my smorgasbord and delof's not getting a potion so there (laughs) okay so there all right uh yeah no I'm uh, looking forward to uh, to a couple of these see what we can see one way or the other uh, and Caleb uh, you said there's uh, just a little bit this episode so I'm I'm curious what has uh, what has made the list well it's a little bit but it, it's it's Caleb's a little bit so there's still <laughs> still got stuff fair um uh just in terms of like reviewing uh information that we've already learned. Um, I was, my prediction was that um, Serene would eventually, but not immediately, recognize Rayoden, which could happen. And I specifically said he's going to recognize, she's going to recognize him because of his eyes. And I will, I, I think I've, maybe she got a couple of points because there was a big thing of Serene going, there was something about his eyes that really made her think that she, that, that he was the leader here. So like the eyes are exactly what she caught on to. She just hasn't connected those dots. Um, I will say, uh, any fans of that theory of, of Galadon using special memory magic when he was trying to figure out what the, the temple was, it's, it's not looking too good, guys. It's not, it's not good. It's, I, don't think, I don't know if that one's good. <laughs> it turns out memory magic is just memory. Memory. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird description of his eyes being glossed over for like 30 straight it seconds. Really it was. was a weird passage. So yeah, it's probably not going to happen. But um, anyways, in terms of new theories for this time and also theories I'm doubling down on, um, I'm trying, I'm still still looking at this book. We're over halfway through now, I think. Yep. And I'm still asking myself the question, what's this book about? What's what's the plot of this book? <laughs> where Where is this actually leading towards? And I'm going to try to start, even though this is the part of theory building that I'm usually the worst at, I nonetheless, I'm going to try to start piecing together where the rest of the plot is going to go. Um, first, most important question is, why is Edon in the book? What is his role? He was just there and then he disappeared. Um, so this is doubling down on a theory I already had, or at least slightly adjusting it. Because um, the first bullet point on my list is Edon explodes and fucking dies. Um, I, I Duly noted. I, I don't... <laughs> 
I don't know why you'd introduce a giant chasm and then do nothing with it. The chasm has to be important, and Edon currently is the only character who seems like he would be able to get eyes on the chasm in the near future. And I don't know, I just really want something big to come out of the chasm and fuck shit up. Maybe that'll... Again, we're, how we're halfway through this book, there's there's not... A, at some point, Brandon has to start tying the strings back together instead of unraveling all the strings. So, like... The big question is, is Driot Kustroke going to be important in this book? I don't know. My brain is telling me that might be a sequel thing, but this book hasn't had a sequel in 25 years or whatever. So is that really what the plan is? And then is the chasm also sequel stuff? Maybe the cliffhanger of this book is Edon explodes and fucking dies because something comes out of the chasm. <laughs> but that's not actually the conflict in this one. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know where the book is going. But I still, I just want Edon to explode and fucking die because I think that would be interesting. Um, I have a crackpot theory that I'm not putting many chips on, but I just want to say out loud. Um, there's a thing of Royal like uh, hurting his leg, but it's phrased in a weird way of like Serene and Royal are pretty close friends. And the sentence is rumors said that Royal had hurt his leg by falling out of, while climbing out of bed. Which is a weird... Why would you have to rely on rumors for that? That's so weird. So, just crackpot theory I don't think is true. I still think it's Diloph. But I had the thought of, like, what if for some reason Royal is the one using the passages? And he hurt himself because he was doing that. It just... The, the, the tidbit of him hurting his leg just felt a little bit weird. That being said, Galadon remembering what was the deal with the chapel also felt weird. And maybe it's just weird. I don't know. <laughs> um... Next up, this is just a, I think this should happen because it would be very interesting. So I hope it happens. It's not even a probably won't happen. It's a, I don't know if it'll happen, but it would be interesting if um, Duke Tellery has apparently been attending some of these Enter the Elantris, uh, uh, Enter Elantris thingies. And I think it would be interesting if... Uh, Duke Tellery reunites with Shayor. Maybe Shayor attacks. I don't know why she would be there in person, but maybe she finally attacks and gets past Salen's men. And Tellery is like, oh shit, that's my daughter. Um, and I had the thought of like, maybe that's what will hold Shayor back. But then I remembered in the middle of this episode, Tellery is a fucker. So <laughs> I don't think he's a good enough dad to help out with that. But I think it could be some really interesting karmic justice to have Shayor's men kill Tellery. Um, and I also think that is like one last wrench thrown in Hraithen's grand plan of, oh, Tellery's dead now. That's, that's gonna mess things up. Um, so I don't know. I just think, I just think that would be interesting. Um, all right. So next up, I am also moving on to Hraithen as, as kind of the last like specific theories thing. And then we're going to get into bigger picture here. Um, I am, I am doubling down on my thought from last episode that it, it is a potion of become fake Elantrian. Um, and I think that two of those dials are, though, two of those vials are antidotes. And I think his plan, his, his original plan was get Diloph to drink it, have him thrown into Elantris. He's no longer my problem anymore. But I think the new plan is drink it. And specifically, I think he's purposefully pivoting towards Serene and Serene's plan of let Let's think about how Elantrians are people too, and we need to care about them, and they're not that threatening. And Hraithen's going to go, You're right, Serene. I'm an Elantrian too, but through faith in Jadeth, I am able to recover. 
we all in K now need to convert and, and believe in Jada so that we can save everyone in Elantris. And that's going to be his big pivot of um, uh, having a new strategy to go against Diloph while still accomplishing his goal of converting everyone is this is the way we can save the Elantrians rather than this is the way we can destroy the Elantrians. Um, I think that will that turn is finally going to lead to the cover of the book where Hraithan and Serene seem to be on the same page, at least to an extent. I think they're going to finally team up to a degree um, because I, I think Serene's going to be very suspicious, but their goals will align in terms of, hey, we should be helping the Elantrians now. Um, and I think that could be really interesting. And so now we get into big picture time um, in terms of what the plot of the book is actually going to be. I think Diloph is using the secret tunnels and he's currently just scoping it out. But I think what is eventually going to happen is while Serene and Rayodin are in Elantris, I don't know if it's going to be a, a long-term thing or if like a lot of chapters are going to happen in like the span of one evening, which I think could also be really interesting. Um, Diloph is going to kill Eodon because Diloph is a very straightforward zealot and is like, this is the, the easiest way to throw chaos into the land. He's okay with it being a bloody revolution as long as everyone at the end converts to Jadeth. Or they all die, that's fine too, because then all the people remaining will believe in Jadeth. I have accomplished the Wern's will, everything's great. Um, so he's going to kill Eodon. That's going to lead Reudin, who the whole time has been like, well, I don't want to cause any civil war. He's going to find out and go, all right, well, a civil war is already happening, so I might as well put my name in the ring. And that's going to lead to all three of our, our, our folks teaming up to basically try to get Rayodin back on the throne and seize control. And the main showdown is going to be our three protagonists versus Diloph as they try to take control of the city because Iodon is dead. Um, and then I also... And there's two doses, which is interesting. And I don't know for sure where the, dose, the last dose of the potion is, but I do think it would be interesting. I know the first one was for Diloph and then Rayodin changed his mind. And I think he's still maybe adjusting his plan. I don't know who the second one was originally for, but I think now the second potion will eventually be drunk by Diloph. Then he will turn to an Elantrian and that's going to lead to his downfall because he's going to be like, oh, holy shit, this is the worst thing that could possibly happen to me. Either he will kill himself or he will just lose all hope and be more easily defeatable. There could even be a really interesting commentary on Faith because Hraithan originally, I, it, in my brain, in the plot that I think is going to happen, Hraithan is going to say, oh, Faith and Jadath is going to um, uh, heal you of being an Elantrian. And Diloph will go, cool, it's not that big a deal, I'm an Elantrian. And then like a week will pass and he'll go, my Faith isn't good enough. Oh no, that's bad. And that's going to be, that. that's going to be his downfall is... Uh, his faith was not enough to cure him of the worst possible thing that could ever happen to him, which is become an Elantrian by drinking potion of become fake Elantrian. That's all I've got. All right. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it is interesting. The, you know, we, we've had varying ranges on the predictions uh, from, from this book and from previous books. That's usually how it goes of, predicting the outcome of an immediate plot point or trying to predict something long-term. But yeah, it's definitely taken a bit of work to get to the point where we feel like there's a chance even at calling a shot at the end of the book. So <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see how this is, uh, how this goes as we start to, to work through part two. 
I had mentioned early on that as we start to clear part one, uh, the the chapter counts are gonna go up, uh, and we're we're beginning that now. Having just finished five chapters in today's episode, we're going to be doing eight chapters for for next week, uh, chapters twenty eight through thirty five, uh, which is just slightly larger than. Uh, what we just read in terms of word count. So yeah, things uh, are going to start cycling pretty quick now, uh, including, uh, yes, the shortest chapter in the entire book. Ooh, that's where Edon fucking explodes <laughs> and dies. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tag that with a... I, I did this before and totally forgot what it was about, but I've just tagged it with a little X in the spreadsheet of pay attention to this chapter. <laughs> And then we went back and I listened to it again and it was it was something it was like Sam just trying to like throw a dart at the dartboard and saying in chapter 26 we're going to figure this out. And so I just marked chapter 26 and then nothing particularly related to that happened. I believe it was specifically in chapter 26 we will finally see Penrod again. Right. Yeah, no it <laughs> yeah, wasn't yeah. It was just we're going to see this character. <laughs> and then I don't think we did. Yeah. We didn't. So all right, I've I've made another chapter mark on our our sheet. We'll see where that goes. Uh, but yeah, we, we've uh, we're starting part two, the call of Elantris. Uh, we're gonna have three episodes there, as the pace will continue to pick up. We'll we'll see where this takes us as we go through these uh, part two episodes coming up. You can find those episodes at alwaysanotherpodcast.com. You can also send us an email if you want to talk about uh, any of this or uh, what was the other, right. If you, if you want uh, Caleb to write a script for the Westing game, you can email us about that too uh, at contact at always another podcast.com. But I ain't no scab. <laughs> yes. You'll, you'll have to, you'll have to wait until the negotiations have, uh, have concluded for that though. It's very important. Uh, in addition to, uh, that you can also find us on our social media sites. You can find us on Twitter at always another pod, uh, on Instagram at always another pod, and on Mastodon at always another pod at kind.social. You can uh, get uh, episode notifications there, uh, as well as some artistic creations in between. <laughs> I think that will do it though for our uh, our seventh episode of Elantris uh, unless there's anything I'm forgetting it's time to sign off and read some more of the book or you know go to bed one of the two oh sorry I'm getting a I'm getting a call oh, it's the call from Elantris <laughs> <laughs>